Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Anna Devingham is the founder, program director, and co-leader of the Insight Alliance. Anna considers herself a mental health plumber, having worked in private practice and multidisciplinary healing and support teams for two decades in the U.S., Australia, and the U.K. In 2017, Anna created the Insight Alliance. And when she's not attempting to end recidivism in Oregon or beyond, she kind of just enjoys her time traveling and refereeing races in between her husband and their dog, Ruby. Ladies and gentlemen, give them a warm welcome to Anna. Anna, I've just read your bio. It was, you know, the official pre-podcast. It was, yeah, you know, but really just just you for a second. Tell the audience we're listening uh, just a little bit about yourself. That way I can stop smiling. <laughs> That'll calm me down a little bit because right. I'm a huge fan. So, yeah, that, that well, gives me a chance to settle. It's, it's What a big question. My goodness. That, <laughs> that was like, OK, where the hell do you start with that one? Well, yes, I am. My name's Anna and um, I live in Portland, Oregon. But as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not from here. Um, I'm from England. Um, spent most of my life living in England, but also traveling. I, I loved, you know, did, did a lot of, you know, traveling around the world and living in different places, um, but ended up ended up living in, in Portland and Oregon. So moved to Portland, actually moved to Portland about 2000, in 2000. Um, I've been living in Australia. I came to, came to Portland and then ended up living here with no intention of living in America. Like, to be fair, it's never a country that I thought I was going to end up living in. I had a lot of thinking about America and it was like, it's not one of the destinations. <laughs> it's not one of the destinations that I actually anticipated. It was never on my list. So okay. glad but we I, snuck in there. We, yeah, you totally did. Well, and, and also I've been, I actually was living in Australia and I, the, the, the reason I'd moved to Australia was actually to get out of a really challenging relationship. Um, I was um, going out with this lovely guy who was also addicted to heroin. And, and I have a kind of tendency to addict addictions myself and I'd started using too, but there was something in me that knew that that wasn't my life and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go there. There was something inside me that was like, this is not you, this is not you. You know, it was just like, and so all the time that I was, you know, starting to use, it was like, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And yeah. Um, had an opportunity to, to kind of um, get to Australia um, because I knew I needed to get to the other side of the world to really kind of sort myself out and get away from someone that I was really in love with. And I knew that I just wanted to rescue and save his life, but I really needed to rescue and save my own life, you know, so it felt like I needed to put my own oxygen mask on first. Otherwise I was going to go down to go downhill fast. So ended up in Australia and, and lived there for a year. And, and actually I had been there like 
I was a shiatsu therapist at the time. I was working and living in Melbourne and I was doing a lot of work on myself, you know, to really, because I was an absolute mess. Like I really was, like I was just, just a mess. And, but I, I was on the, I was going to go back via, go back to England via India, um, because that's where I normally would go. That's my tendency is to kind of gravitate back towards India. But I, end, I ended up going to this program, um, process oriented psychotherapy program that was a five week intensive and it was in Portland. And so I actually kind of felt like, okay, let's just do, I'll do that. And in those days you could change your ticket, your, your, your plane ticket for like 50 bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> or sell something to be able to change your flight. So it was like, okay, this is, this looks good, you know? So I remember being on the plane. I don't know, this is probably more information that you need. Um, oh, this is perfect. I was on this the plane so to America and, and I, you know, love the Australians, never had any kind of romantic involvement with any of them, never been interested in that way. And I kind of wanted to work on myself. I wasn't in that kind of place anyway, but I was coming back to England and, and, and this, you know, ex of mine was like, I'm clean. I got clean for you. And da, da, da. And I just knew it's just like, I'm not, a, you don't get clean for me. You get clean for yourself. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm not going to go. I can't go back there. But I was like, oh, I, I need to, when I'm in America in this five-week intensive, like I need to have a fling, like just to kind of, because I know that there was that attraction and like, how do I, you know, what's going to happen? And and I was like, I can't be doing that. So then I was on the plane going, well, I'm totally anonymous. No one knows me. I'm here for five weeks. Like, let's have a fling. And and that ended up being my husband. And it's 20 years. <laughs> it's 20, 20 years later. And that fling kind of lasted longer than I thought. So um, I ended up coming back to Portland and then we lived here for about 10. We actually lived in California first, but then we're in, we're in Portland. And but then, um, you know, as I had the tendency to do, I really royally messed up things. My, you know, and, and I ended up going back to England um, on my own. My husband and I separated for, for a, about a year and I kind of thought, right, I fucked everything up. I'm just kind of, you know, I took responsibility and, you know, accountability for everything. And then I went back to England, sort of, I was 40, I was on my own, no kids, you know, I was like, oh shit, like, and everyone in England, you know, was doing well. I kind of caught, they were like surfing, you know, they like had their kids, they were in their jobs, they were doing well. And it's like in a two bedroom flat in Brighton and I was on my own. I was like, oh Jesus, like, <laughs> really? This is me, this is me, right? You know, I was like, oh God, anyway. So still, but the, but the, but I was still, you know, a highly functioning adult. But inside, internally, I was like struggling. I was really struggling, and but I was also kind of free. I felt that freedom to kind of really own everything and just go, okay, this is where I'm at, right yeah. here, right now. This is where I'm at, and started working and everything else. But I was still on that kind of journey of looking for something that was going to help me and my state of mind because I'd continually looking for things that. That would that would sort me out you know that would like mm-hmm. why do i keep doing this stuff why do i keep making oh. huge messes and then like m- you know like it's just not helpful anymore and i need to anyway so i just i've read every book i've done every therapy i've done everything but then um i was in a coaching i was doing coaching stuff and i i heard 3p you know i'd heard and i was like what the hell's that like you know and then actually michael neal was book the inside out revolution was the first book that i read and it was like that's true what i heard in that I, I, there was something inside of me was like, okay, I, I don't need to search. I did nothing else. I, I know I found something that's, I don't need to look any further. And, and I think what, a you know, then I started to explore and I, you know, George Pransky happened to be doing a, something in London and I went to that and, and, and then, and then Aaron Turner and Leela and, and Bar Patterson were doing a business thing. And there was just like, okay, I, I don't need to search anymore. This is, I found something that's, I, I found something that's helpful. And the thing that, the thing that I love most about it it was there was no middleman 
it was like if you do this then you're yeah. going to get better or if you like yeah. if you know if you do this if you have this practice you know if you meditate however many hours a day or if you do have this tool in your tool belt then life's going to be good and I was like so sick of that because it was like I always need something else outside yeah. of me that was going to mm-hmm. kind of make me be okay and I was never good at that shit like really you know but it was it, it was like I need drugs or I need alcohol or I need food and you know that was always a, a thing I was bulimic for about 25 years and so there was like there was always something that I was searching for that was going to bring me relief outside of myself and seeing this it was like oh no that that nothing is coming from outside of me like yeah. everything every my relief my 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 worth my value is is in here it's not out there and so it was like there was a way that it was like oh thank god like why didn't anyone I never I mean I, I kind of heard it in different sort of ways through different spiritual you know masters or like what do you want to call them like humans that that have some wisdom you know but there was something about what I heard in this that really actually made sense to me and so I was like okay well I want to learn more I want to learn more and then I um, I was working in London at the time and and I went to One Thought Institute um, where Ma and Aaron were running it in London and and then had the opportunity because uh, Jacqueline Hollows was in the same cohort as I was and she had just just started working in the prisons in England and she needed a volunteer and I was like I'm in yeah I'm in there was something that it was just like it wasn't even there. my my hand was just like yeah that's me yeah. you know that sounds so much more interesting than working in business or anything else I was trying to do you know so and and what I loved about it was a I felt completely at home like I found my people like something you know there was humor there was you know sort of humility there was there was there was humanity and there was, I don't know what it was, but there was something there that it's just like, people were real. People were so real, you know, they, and, and I, it seems, you know, well, the people that that we met in our groups anyway, yeah. I, know I can't speak for everybody, um, you know, who's been incarcerated, but for what I found and what I saw and, and also I, I think that I had some idea that maybe some people, you know, were broken. Some people couldn't be, you know, couldn't find peace of mind. Some people couldn't find a different way to live their life. Some people just can't do that because of past trauma or because of circumstances, because of things. And it's like sitting in prison with people, you just realize that's not true yeah. because you see people wake up mm-hmm. as I as I did, like in a different way. However much I've been searching in a dire- direction, it was like waking up and seeing, wow, like, people can find health inside themselves, no matter what they've been through or what circumstances have led them to prison or how much bad behavior they've had or trouble they've got into. It's like, it like you know, health and, and, and stillness is inside of everybody. Absolutely. And, and, that, and that is a, and that was, that was then, this is a long-winded way of answering your question. Um, <laughs> no, I love that, everything about it. I'll tell that, you why, that. but go ahead. <laughs> and then, well, then I, I, I worked there for about, you know, a year and I just loved it. I really loved it. But then my husband and I decided we wanted to move back to Portland. And so then it was like, I want to continue to do this work. I really, really want to do this. Like, I, I, you know, but then I got back to Portland and I was like, how the fuck do you get into prison? You know, I know that's kind of comical now with the people that I work with because it seems to be quite an easy thing for some people. But um mm. I was like, how do I do this? How do I get into prison? How do I get into prison? And I, I kind of told this, this is like one of my kind of drop the shopping moments that we kind of affectionately call, you know, big insights where it was just like something looks really, you know, you, something something changes, you know, and I was just in a really insecure moment. I was kind of going, how, how am I going to do this? This is really hard, blah, 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 blah. And then I just had an insight that was like, you know, 
there's nothing outside of you that can make you any more whole than you already are. You could just go and work in a coffee shop. You don't have to do this. Now it, that that seemed like giving up. No. But what it did, it's like that that Freedom. scaffolding yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of what I thought Anna was meant to achieve or how Anna was meant to kind of do all the shit that she was meant to do because like she'd done this and now she needs to do this. Like that was what kind of gave up. Yeah. And it was like, there was freedom like there, there, there was all of a sudden this amazing amount of space and flexibility and and kind of adaptability in my mind it was like well I'm not on the tape I'm not on the cutting board here I, it's nothing to do with me it's not about me anymore there was like is it's realizing that that actually you know that that giving up was like the best thing that ever happened because it's like god what a chore it was to keep thinking that I was at the driver's seat and I needed to make sure everything was going the way it was meant to go and so then you know, really, that was the beginning of the Insight Alliance, which now we're kind of year four and, you know, in several prisons and, and all the rest of it. But that was how we got, that was that was me and how I got to where I'm how at. How you got to there. You said you don't, you thought that was earlier too much. That was the best way because it makes perfect sense now how you have the impact you do. It makes perfect sense now hearing that. And the openness you have to talk about gives other people the freedom to begin to talk about theirs. I love the piece you said about there being a realness, it seemed, when working in prisons. And that's because, at least for the, I, I've had my own stint in dealing with, with law enforcement and our criminal justice system in the military, at least. So, I, And when you go into confinement in the military, they strip all of your medals and awards and all of the things that we use to identify ourselves. And I'll never forget kind of crying myself to sleep I had maxed out my ability to think mm. any more about this life it had been shattered so much that I I can't even begin to imagine how this comes back together other than to just say fuck it like there was no more anxiety I could have had about it I literally reached the pinnacle of where that reality I made for myself of my identity being wrapped in what I gave for at that time it was only about 18 19 years yeah Wow. And then you know, I got recalled back to active duty and it was all, you know, restored and everything. And uh, I didn't have to worry about it, but I didn't want it anymore. Yeah. I saw something else. That, so that's why I was like, no, I loved every bit of. So then what did you do after that? Like, what uh, did it... so Because it didn't end the way I thought it would end. I was grateful that it was over, right. but I was I really was a little bit more nervous about what was in front of me right. because I had been military longer than I had been a civilian. Wow. And so I come back into the world and the world was dealing with a whole bunch of different issues than we had in the military. Yeah. So, I mean, we had stuff in the military, but that was just a whole bunch of things that were happening that we don't normally have. Right. You know, and. Uh, How did you meet Michael? So I met Michael at a dinner party. Okay. We, wow. have a, we have a mutual friend and I was reading, reading, I looked on her, her counter. She had creating the impossible. So I was thumbing through it. And I was like, hey, let me borrow this book. And she was like, go talk to him. He's in the front. And I'm like, what, the, the dude that wrote this book? So <laughs> I kind of I look in and see him and I see him in the, you know, and so I make my way over to him uh, and we, we just hit it off. We, we hit it off. He called, we had, did lunch a couple of times and, and things like that. Then he called me a little while. He said, hey, um, I got something I want to try with my Supercoach Academy. And I think it'd be pretty cool. He said, I would need three days with you, four or three days. He says, and it'll be fun. And so I was like, cool. 
And that was the first time he had ever said anything about the principals to me. I, I knew he was kind of like a cool guy. Every time we hung out, it was fun. And I knew he was a coach, but holy crap, I had no idea. And for me, blessfully, I get to go back and watch it because it was all recorded because what he was doing was streaming it next door to all the super coach graduates or the people who were going so he through was his doing what he was doing a live intensive live intensive wow live intensive of well, us in one room <laughs> okay that. i'll send you the video huh? yeah, we're so sitting cool. in one room and then it's just streaming into the next room so we get into it but i could hear every now and then laughter or sighs or tears or something because they're in the next room so uh it was just a super crazy experience but i, I remember when it when just the, the glass and everything broke though, I was like, huh? Was there, was there a specific in, insight that you had where that, where that kind of all that fell away? Like, was there something that you remember that was a... After he had been talking for a while, he, he had pointed to me how every time I gave him a story of me kind of just doing something, whether it was in battle or whatever, he tied it to universal mind and how... That I um, always have access to until my thinking blocks it. And he actually draw a, drew a picture where the brain waves were coming down from the intelligence and my thinking was blocking it. And it just, it just made sense. It just made sense. It, it was like I finally found uh, enough, a glimpse of myself where I understood I was whole too. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's, yeah. it's just been the best kept secret. Um, and I've been in a bunch of places that had the secrets. Just maybe the wrong one. Yeah. You know, so this has been, this thing has been everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any idea. Like I didn't know much about, you know, your background and stuff. So that's really cool to hear about that. For, for those listening who don't know, what it is kind of tell me what the inside alliance is it's an organization it's a nonprofit that was started in the car park of the women's prison about four years ago um because we'd started running um a group in one of the men's prison and that was going really well um, but then we connected with someone else who had a connection into the women's prison and so we had this meeting with the head of development services or you know program services or whatever and it was and, and the head of the psychology team and, and everything and it went really really well and the the head of the psychology team said look this this looks really really promising to me but I'm telling you if you want this to be more than a volunteer program you have to get it researched because you know that you want this to be taken really seriously it has to be evidence-based and I was like okay well shit what is that going to look like and then <laughs> serendipity kind of came together and um, the, the, uh, Susan Stoltenberg, who's the, the executive director of the YWCA, was the woman that brought me into prison because they have a program uh, in, the, in the minimum side. And, and I was like, well, shit, okay. But she's, oh, I know this amazing um, PhD professor at P uh, Pacific University, Dr. Sarah Bowen, and she's done a lot of research with addiction and mindfulness and stuff. Let's see if she's interested. And so we then, you know, I made the pitch about why this is going to be a good research project. And she loved it. She loved the idea. She was totally into it. So we ended up starting. And then, but before that was happening, I was in the car park with Susan going, well, it can't be a research project connected to Anna Debenham. Like no one's going to care. <laughs> it has to be a little bit more professional than that. I don't, start, 
I got to start an organization and I never really wanted to start a nonprofit because I believed everyone's thinking that said, you know, nonprofits are really, really hard work and they're just a pain in the ass. You don't want to start a nonprofit. And I was like, oh, that sounds true. So I just didn't kind of go there. And then when I actually had more insights, it was like, just because someone else thinks that's true, it doesn't make it true. true. It just makes yes. them someone else's opinion. And I was yeah. like, well, fuck it. We need to do it anyway now because I'm now doing this research project and it has to be under something else. So then a volunteer that would come in with me at the time, Monica Muller, she, who's still with us, who's still one of our teachers, um we you know came up with the idea came up with the insight alliance it was going to be the insight foundation and then it was we, we changed it to the insight alliance because the idea of alliance is that we wanted to kind of you know have a lot of community partners and because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and we can't do all of this and we're not play, claiming to be the best at this stuff we just know what we do really really well but we also need other things that are going to help people in prison help people transition help their families and all those kind of things and so there was an intention behind calling it an alliance. So, you know, that. we were initially fiscally sponsored by the YWCA. Um, and then soon after that, we realized actually we need to be our own organization for many reasons. We were growing, we were getting a lot of recognition and it just felt like we had momentum and it was like, let's get our own 501c3. And Robin Tenenbaum, who's still our board chair, she became a, she started this kind of really like we started, you know, she helped me. She had the, the kind of, the, the contacts and the various different kind of insight into starting a nonprofit. So we started this kind of together. There was just di different serendipitous moments along the way that helped birth this, this thing, because I had no clue what I was doing. Like seriously, yeah. I'd never done any of this before. And it was just like, okay, what's the next, what's the next thing in front of me? What's the next thing in front of me? And, and the way my brain works is I'm less a visionary about, wow, what's the big picture. It's like, okay, let's just like, do what we do what's in front of us and then we'll see what happens yeah. and it, it can it's very organic and i'm sure it can be annoying to people sometimes <laughs> it's like well, what's the plan what's the plan it's like i don't know you know let's hope we're alive tomorrow and we'll go from there you know um, i love so, it i love it <laughs> but now you see them that kind of was like that we, we're in the men's prison then we're in the women's prison and then there was a waiting list and it got bigger and and then we actually a lot of the men in the in the prison specifically were like why didn't we learn this when we were younger? Like, if I knew this when I was coming through the Oregon Youth Authority, you know, when I was in, in, in juvie, if I'd known this then, I wouldn't be in DOC, in the Depe Department of Corrections. Like, mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have graduated to adult prison. Like, had I known this? Because, you know, and I, and I, I say this, and it kind of seems so simple, but it's actually true, is that most people are in prison because they reacted to a feeling. They, they, they had a moment where they reacted to something and then they did something or they're trying to escape an uncomfortable feeling, which is drugs, alcohol, you know, yes. any kind of thing. But it's related to not being comfortable in their own skin, which means they do something in, in the behavior. Right. So then you see that as they started to kind of not react to the bullshit that was going on in prison and they could let things, you know, really move through them and they could sort of rise above all the crap. And be okay anyway because they saw that you know beyond below all that stuff you know like they're mm -hmm. intact they're okay they're good it was like well if i knew that when i was young i wouldn't have done it i wouldn't be here why don't why aren't we working with youth and so that gave us that impetus a very serendipitous situation to go and go and then work in them in the youth prison which is what we're doing now and we've actually been able to continue doing that through covid through zoom programs we've got six different groups in mclaren wow um, and and you know it's it's been an, it's been an amazing um, sort of opportunity. Now, just before COVID hit, we hired Lindsay Jensen, who is our executive director, 
I, I had never any desire to be an executive director. It's like, I do programs. Like I just do what I'm good at. And she's just amazing. She's been working in nonprofits for 20 years and she's like incredible with the strategy and the business mind and developing kind of programs and whatnot. And so it's been, a, again, a really, really great partnership for, for, you know, when she came on and then having to pivot during COVID and, you know, we've got webinars, a lot of webinars that we put up on the prison TVs. We've got newsletters that we send out to different prisons. Uh, and also one thing that we realized is that when people get out of prison, like not, not everyone we work with gets out of prison. They're still there. They're, long, they're there for a long time. But, but the transition period of getting out of prison is almost, I mean, I don't want to say this as a blanket statement, but I'd say a lot of the time it's harder than prison. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can understand that. You know what I mean? Like you get out, everything's been, even though you no one wants to be locked up and you've got to deal with just the whole crap of prison, but but you've got, you know, three hots and a cot. You've got certainty. You don't have yeah. to, yes, you've got issues on the outside, but people kind of, you know, but you get out of prison and then you've got to deal with your parole officer. You've got to get your ID. You've got to get a job. You've got to deal with programs. You've got to deal with groups you have to go to. You've got to kind of do your all the stuff. And then, you know, old acquaintances pop back up and then you've got to have, you have all these expectations about what it's going to look like. And then mm -hmm. it doesn't look like that. And then you've got to, but some people want to go back to college. And so all these things we realized were actually part of helping people. So then we started partnering with community organizations for second chance employment and housing and education you know, and various different things. So we have Project 180, which is specifically for our transition services. Um, and now we're just developing a mentor, mentor, peer mentor program. So people who are still part of our team that are teachers or training teachers that can actually then, um, we're tr you know, we're just doing a program now to develop the training to then become peer mentors for other, you know, people that are coming out of prison, especially a lot of youth that, you know, coming out that we need to help navigate kind of life on the outside and, and just be there, you know, be, you know, we run groups on the outside. We have 10 week programs that we run, you know, we're there to help support people in different ways because, mm, you know, so I, if someone has a fuck it moment, I prefer that they call me at nine o'clock at night than have a fuck it moment and go, you know what I mean? It doesn't take yeah. much sometimes where life has just got, you know what, I just can't deal with this, even though they have an understanding of their mind. And what's helpful is that you talk to them. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh my God, what was I going with that? Shit, you know, <laughs> rather than having to talk them off a kind of a higher ledge. It's like, oh, you're right. Like, and then the penny drops, you know, so yeah. it doesn't take much, but sometimes life's hard, you know, the challenge is real, you know, and it's just kind of, there's a lot that people have to deal with. And, and so as much as possible, we can kind of help with, with the understanding of the mind, which is the kind of foundation of what we do, but also then help people with, emergency funding or you know having a kind of a, a rucksack full of like you know underwear and bus passes and things when they get out of prison that are just yeah. like you know those kind of things that we think okay well that's really helpful people need that stuff wow i don't even know how first just thank you like let me thank you for being of service and choosing to do it like you 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 realize that innate well-being for yourself and was perfectly okay and didn't have to choose to do this work but something draw you back to it with now such a compact like such a openness such a, a space you hold for people to get well just thank you like man big ups like <laughs> salute you like keep going you know uh that's just remarkable in itself right and and i'm not i'm not even talking about anna the woman you know who i'm talking to when i say you know what i'm 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 pointing to when I say that, you know, luckily we get to call you Anna, but 
for you to tap into that and be this for those anybody um, and suffering in that point is an amazing thing. So just thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, there's two things I, I would like. Usually I open it up at the end for you to share the message and the whole global community is listening. But before that, because of the particulars of your program, let me know where to find you, if you need some help, what you're pointing toward kind of like now, so that those listening, if they know or can connect or do something, yeah. they can, we could, we could kind of jump on. That's the whole reason right. we're here. Uh, well, so you can find us at theinsightalliance.org. That's T-H-E, insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, alliance.org. And just even just to see, you know, the, the different things that we're doing, you know, and I think we're actually getting ready to hire um, someone from the inside the, our team. So someone who's had the lived experience of prison, which, you know, Lindsay and I just, so everyone is actually just really excited about because the capacity, you know, you realize that we're, our capacity to grow and, and people that want our program, because it, you know, like, you know, it grows from word of mouth because when someone mm -hmm. starts to feel better, they want everyone to see it. And then they, you know, we've had, calls from people in like different prisons going I hear that you're doing a webinar series on the on the prison system why don't why aren't we getting it or can we get can we get something like can we have your program you know and so you start to it starts to grow now we can we can only grow at the capacity that we have you know staff and you know we've got volunteer teachers who also have day jobs and so they'll do a group in the evening or we'll do this that and the other you know so really it, where we're at now it's like people who are passionate about wanting to make a difference in the world you know and seeing and have connections to like seeing the the like partnerships that we can make with who knows who like who knows the partnerships we can have that helps with employment that helps with funding social enterprise you know getting getting the, the people that we work with you know in a better spot but also allowing us to grow which obviously comes with funding you know which is there's a there's a lot of amazing really amazing nonprofits there are you know and people that you know and people can think oh people in prison they're not you know why would I want to give money to people who've like broken the law and and been done horrible things but you realize that that it, it, if I'd grown up in the same situation as anyone that we work with could I have done better would I have been able to rise above it it's like I don't know the answer to that but what I know is everybody is doing the best they can with the state of mind they have and what I've learned from working in prison is when people start to understand the source of their mm -hmm. experience is the mind, then everything starts to change because when people start to feel better, they do better. There's no exception. You know, it's like when you ask someone, when you feel at peace inside or when you feel calm inside, does it occur to you to hurt yourself or hurt others? No. Every human says no. And so it's like, you know, trying to kind of share that there's humans in prison that have grown up in ways that I can't even imagine and it breaks my heart. But it's like they're dying to kind of want to get out of the, the cycle of recidivism so then their kids don't go into prison and then their grandkids don't go into prison. I mean, you know, you spoke to Jess, it's like her mum was in prison, her daughter's in prison, like, but Jess now is like out of prison and how she's impacting other people, that ripple effect is it you know goes so far you know so I think that initially it can be like I don't want to people in prison they're not they're human yeah, like they're, they're human. absolutely the most amazing humans I've ever met and it makes me kind of teary when I think about it because it's like you know when you say thank you it's like I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world you know I get to to sit with people 
who wake up to their full potential and people that, you know, that are just like me, they're just like me, there's no difference. Other than the fact that I've been had so much more privilege and so much more going for me. And even then I fucked it up. You know, even then I get myself into, you know, into into awful situations that led me to, you know, want me to search to find something better. But it's like, every human has the capacity to wake up to their own brilliance. And it's like, yeah. and, and whoever you are, whatever you've been. So it's like the more we can help change the criminal justice system in this country, the, and, and the more people that can get out of prison and never go back, the healthier society we're gonna have. You know, we want people who are healthy, who are gonna be our neighbors and be, you know, our community members and, and do things outside of prison where they, where they're, the talent, the talent in prison is just phenomenal. And so it's like, get that out into the community and let's have all of us kind of live better. So, you know, that's that's the message in terms of um, why I do, why we do this, why it's important to do this work, because it's like, you know, we're humans and we all live together, but it's just some people have had a much more difficult start than others. And so we want to give everyone that same opportunity, you know, to kind of live live free. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.